you want it. I'll, I'll call you. Absolutely, anytime. Easiest day. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks. With the grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. And let the poor say, I am. Hold up. We got to get on key here. <laughs> I started out in the wrong key and threw it off. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks. Because he's given Jesus Christ his son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his son, and now let the weak say I am strong, 
and let the poor say, I am rich. Be called to what the Lord has done for us. And now let the weak say, I am strong. And let the poor say, I am rich, because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Because he's given Jesus Christ, his son, give thanks with a grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One, give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. And let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done for and now let the weak say, I am strong, and let the poor say, I am rich, because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks. Every week, and I'm, I'm okay with that. He named me another time in his life. He follows directions and listens to authority. <laughs> All right, something actually useful. Psalm chapter 3. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I, wo I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, no matter what may befall us, your justice will persevere. Your mercy is good. By the work of your Son, you have redeemed us. By the power of your Spirit, you are sanctifying us. But Lord, we still walk in a sinful world, and we still indulge the pleasures of our flesh. 
We thank you for the mercy that you show us day by day. We thank you for the justice that you will bring forth. And Lord, we pray that by your spirit, you would continue to strengthen us, that we would walk faithfully in this world, living for and trusting in you and you alone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this today that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. All right, couple of things. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay, just making sure. If I don't hear that good echo, it makes me nervous that this thing's not on and I'm just, you know, talking to Vern and Jonathan. <laughs> Starts making you wonder after a while. All right, um, read your bulletin. It will do you good. Missions Project. My dry throat is acting up today. Uh, Missions Project, the bags are out front. Grab a sheet. Grab everything that's on the sheet. If you want to grab a backpack from the office and fill it when you bring it back, you can do that. If you would like to just bring the bags, uh, the items back in a bag, we will set them aside and we will get them filled when the time comes. We still don't know what's going on as far as the mission and things like that. Got an email from Charmel because we are on the list to do the meal in October. And as of right now, we can't go and do the meal in October. So that may change by October, but in the meantime, she's just making us aware. So I have no idea. We may be making those bags and dropping a few off with Kathy and dropping a few off at the mission and just going from there. So if you can do that, though, grab a sheet, fill a bag. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We were able to do about 60 last year, and we had about a month to do it. Our goal is to try to get close to 100. We have a pile of backpacks in the office, so if you can do like 10, I won't stop you. I won't even twist your arm or look sideways at you. So 
Grab a bag, fill it up, thank you in advance. We have uh, church council this week, so church council, hang around. A couple of things that we have to go over because apparently the world has started working again. So we actually have things on the list. I almost don't know how to act with things on the list, so uh, stick around for that. A uh, couple of other things. Mike's still up and around. <laughs> well, you're up and around. I didn't say you felt good about it. I just said you were up and around. So keep praying for Mike, though. He's hopefully going to get to a doctor this week and figure out why his back keeps hurting, other than carrying around all his illnesses all this time. Oh, see, that was a little funny. He liked that one. <laughs> um, AD is here this morning. Vi is at home. She went to the hospital last week, found out, if you didn't get the update, found out that the cancer has spread. And basically, they have sent her home with hospice care, which will prevent her from having to go back and forth to the hospital for treatments and things. So be in prayer for Adi and Vi, and you know, said get a chance to speak to him before he, he ducks out later on this morning. And I'm not picking on you. I know you have things to do, so don't take that negatively, please. Um, Gail made it back. Elaine is gnawing her ear off. Um, Gail had surgery a few months ago and has basically been under house arrest because she's not allowed to leave because they didn't want her to get sick. And it dawned on me the other day when I spoke to her, I said, she probably doesn't know because she got a clean bill of health to go out and about. I haven't told her that we're open because she hasn't been here. <laughs> so I told her, she's like, I can come back to church. And Gail came back to church. So make sure you, yeah, we don't live in, yeah, give it a minute. Give it a minute. So get a chance to say hey to Gail. She'll fill you in on everything. That way I don't have to because that way I don't get it wrong. Isn't that so much easier? Um, that's everything on my list. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. So am I forgetting anything? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yeah, you're moving. Yeah, you actually did stairs and stuff. Yeah, we mentioned that you had fallen, and how is that healing? Okay. <laughs> As with everything else, it's healing slowly but surely, which is also kind of Clark's thing. Is your leg still doing well? And it's about as well as can be expected, right? <laughs> This is what I this is what Gail said to me the other day. I was giving her the rundown of everything. She's like, "What did you people do while I was gone?" I'm like, apparently we tried to fall apart. Okay, this is what happens. So, um, who was it? Oh goodness gracious! Of all the weeks to have, this is the question: <laughs> Who was inflicted from head to foot with painful sores besides us? <laughs> besides Calvary Baptist of Rockford. <laughs> Job was the answer I was looking for. I told you last week I would accept multiple answers because I would have accepted the Egyptians during the plagues. I would have accepted the Philistines during their theft of the Ark of the Covenant during their battles with Saul. I would have taken a lot of things. But the famous guy is the book of Job. Now, the fun part, read Job. It'll do you good. It, it'd take you like an hour. you got that kind of time this week. I'm sure you do. Um, if you don't, quick summary. Job is doing everything humanly right, and God basically gives him a temptation. And takes everything from him. And the punchline from Job is that I was righteous and this should not have happened to me. And we'll actually, this morning, get to some of the answer to that. But the, the, uh, the answer is, who do you think you are? Yeah, in regards to us versus God, the call of this world is not one to prosperity. It is a call to faithfulness. It is a call to walk in the midst of good and walk in the midst of struggle. If it wasn't, our popular funeral psalm wouldn't be what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because that is our fate ultimately in this world, and that is the walk that we are undertaking even now. It is good for us to be reminded that this world is not meant to be our home. 
because this is not a world that honors and praises God. Our home is with him on high. And then the hope of this redemption here, because that is what is ultimately coming. Job is an excellent reminder of that. So read the book of Job. It will do you good. Who asked, don't say this out loud, this is an easy one. Who asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Not you, the good Jonathan. (laughs) 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 Had to go there. You knew, I I can't just leave that sitting on a tee and not say that. So, read that. Again, reason for the question. Pay attention to the mindset and the history there. It has application for your life that we're going to cover next week. I know I know you know who said that. Don't say it out loud. Let people Google. <laughs> I've given up that you guys look these up and check concordance and stuff. I just know, hey, Google, who said this? And, and I'm okay with that. If it gets you reading your Bible and Google is the tool that gets you to read your Bible, I am all right with that. I have come to peace with it. Now, am I forgetting anything else? Well, I'm, I'm, I, 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 look at that. I edited myself. Aren't you proud? You saw it. It was right there. And I went, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> See, I'm learning. I'm getting better. Sanctification at work. So, all right. If I'm not forgetting anything, uh, counsel this afternoon. Read Job. Look at your trivia answer. And I'm going to stop talking so we can stand and sing. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saved, Jesus saved, spread the gladness all around, Jesus saved, Jesus saved, bear the news to every land, climb the steeps and cross the waves, onward tis the Lord command. Jesus saved, Jesus saved, wrapped it on the rolling tide. Jesus saved, Jesus saved, till the sinners far and wide. Jesus saved, Jesus saved, sing the islands of the sea, echo back the ocean's cave. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Sing above the Bible strand. Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Through his death and endless life. Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Sing it softly through the gloom. When the heart for mercy came, sing and try for the tomb. Jesus saved, Jesus saved. With the wind, a mighty voice, Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Shout salvation full and free, highest hills and deepest caves, sing and triumph for the doom. Jesus save, Jesus save. Sing and triumph for the doom. Jesus save, Jesus save.
most of you guys know who I am, but for those of you who don't, my name is Olivia Bradford. I am a, this is so weird to say, I am a freshman at George Williams College of Aurora University. I know, it's so weird. I am a recent graduate of Byron High School, and wow, I have been coming here since I was literally born, uh, literally since I was a baby, and this is like my second family, and it's crazy to think that I'm leaving in 11 days. It's just insane of me to even have to fathom, but I am very excited, and I am very blessed. God has given me some amazing opportunities, hard lessons, and it was really, it's been hard, especially with everything that's been going on with it being my senior year. I had a lot of anger, held a lot of anger toward God and the fact that this isn't what I wanted and the fact that this wasn't what it was supposed to be and that I had, I am just starting to live life and the idea of it being taken away from me was very hard to accept. And it was very hard to remember that this isn't my permanent home. This is my temporary. And that was really hard for me to remember and hard for me to accept. But the song I'm going to be singing is called King of My Heart. And I remember singing it at church, in my church in Byron. And it's just such a good reminder to me of who I am looking to, what my priority is here on this earth. And it just reminds me of how amazing he is and what he really does if you let him. So I'm going to be singing King of My Heart. Be the fire inside my veins. 
Make sure nothing's going to attack me out of there. That's a fear each and every week. So you guys don't hear that, but I put that water bottle down, and then it starts rolling, and I can hear it and feel it. And you start... Uh-huh. See, I, as I said the other day, I have this thing about my toes. I've had them for as long as I can remember, and I'm quite attached to them. So I would like to keep them, so water bottles rolling out and landing on them, you know, bugs me a little bit. So, all right. Productivity should ensue this morning. Exodus chapter 4. We are continuing along. We have answered the objections that Moses had. Therefore, the next section should be what? And Moses made preparations to go to Egypt. Yeah. I warned you. Moses was going to try to unholster his weapon and shoot himself right in the foot. Then, he's gonna, then he was going to stop. He was going to take a second, and he was going to try it again, and he's going to shoot himself in the foot again. Today is the again, and I'm going to go ahead and warn you, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot again next week, too. Yeah, no. Yeah, we, we are. Now, believe it or not, Moses' stubborn, well, Moses' stubbornness and his constant questioning is actually good news for us on two fronts. It's good news, one, because, let's be honest, you've had questions, you've been disobedient, and you've been stubborn, right? If God can deal with this, he can deal with us as well. That's the first front. The second one is, when this is occurring, what we get is a picture of the attributes of God on display. I always make mention of this. How do you know what God will do? Because you have testimony of what he has done. Therefore, you can take that consistency and move it forward. If there were no stubborn people, how would God demonstrate his patience? This is why you don't pray for patience, because how does God build your patience? By giving you stubborn, difficult people to test your patience, thereby allowing you to grow. Don't pray to God to help you with your anger problem. How does he help your anger problem? By giving you people that are going to make you angry so that you can go, 
I'm going to love my God more than I love strangling you. I'm okay, really, honestly. This is how this works. Now, how do we know how God will react? Because we have evidence and testimony of how he will. So we get his power on display today. We get his wisdom, his mercy, and most importantly for us, his sanctifying work being shown through this interaction with Moses. I changed that. That's wrong. Don't, don't listen to that. That's, it's lying. It's Exodus 4, ch- uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 17. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then, go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him, put the words in his mouth, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. You shall take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. All right. And yes, that is where we are stopping today, because there's much to do and less time to do it in there. Next week, we're going to cover a lot of ground, but it'll be worthwhile endeavor. So rewind all the way back to verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Whenever God speaks in scripture in the next verse is, and then the person said, never good. Ever. It's just never good. When God tells you to do something in the next verse is, but they said, bad things are about to happen. So here we go. Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. Catch, catch the argument? I've never been eloquent, not now, not ever, and not even since you've come down to give me this call, because what's Moses' assumption? If you've given me this call, when should I have become eloquent? Does God need an eloquent Moses? No. More on that as we get through this. For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. (sighs) Literally, what this, this is a nice English translation. It literally says, Moses is telling God, I am no man of words, and I am heavy of tongue and speech. So we've taken this throughout history traditionally to mean that he stuttered. I don't think that's accurate. I think what he's saying is I don't like making declarations and I don't speak well or quickly. I'm just kind of a person who says things and, you know, gets them out there. You get the idea, right? So in other words, Moses is the opposite of me. You would probably like me to be more Moses most Sunday mornings because I understand I speak quickly and I apologize, but it just is what it is at this point. I have tried for nearly 40 years to change it, and it hasn't happened yet, so maybe if I get struck by lightning one day, I'll slow down. But until that point, you're stuck. Now, how much validity do you give this? Because if you're like me, you read this and you just rolled your eyes. Like, really? You can't go speak in Pharaoh? You grew up where again? Who was Moses' adopted mother? Pharaoh's daughter. 
the current pharaohs more than likely sister or stepsister or half-sister, depending on how Egyptian royalty, how much they were like English royalty in the Middle Ages and how you want to check that out. He was around formal banquets. He was around formal state events. He can compose two sentences. He can certainly speak enough to say, let my people go. I mean, are we asking for like the Declaration of Independence level of discourse here? No, it's let my people go. I think you can handle this, but give Moses a little bit of credit. If you go by his past history, he at least picked something that was somewhat plausible. I mean, think through Moses' history up until now. Go back to Exodus 2. It came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that, and when he saw there was no one around, he struck down, struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He didn't go negotiate. He didn't go argue with him. He did what? That's not a man of words. That's a man of action. Exodus chapter 2 again. The priest of Midian had seven daughters, and when they came to draw water and filled the troughs of water, or filled the troughs to water the father's, their father's flock, then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and negotiated with the shepherds and got them to know. Moses stood up and helped them and watered the flock. Not a man of words, a man of action. Give Moses a little bit of credit. This is consistent. I don't like talking about stuff. I like doing what? I like doing stuff. You know men like this. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to go do it. Give me a project. Get out of my way. Don't give me things to talk about. The problem with the objection is not that it is untrue of Moses. The problem with the objection is where it is directed. And here's what I mean. Go back to Exodus chapter 3. Go, this is God's command to him. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has, and what has been done to you in Egypt. If I could read the right line. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite to a land flowing with milk and honey. They will pay heed to what you say. And we talked about this when we went over that passage. When Moses gets there, why is he given those signs? Are they just expected to believe and have faith in Moses? No! They are expected to believe and have faith in Yahweh. They are expected to believe and have faith in God. Moses' objection is, you want me to go, and I, this just isn't me. Who is Moses thinking is doing this? He is. You're not doing anything. You're just the dude that I picked to go and do this. Just shut up and start talking, dude. That's what should have happened, and the reason 8,942 while I'm not God, because that's how Exodus 4 would have gone if I was there. Who do you think you're talking to? Shut up and go. Moses' directional faith is wrong. It is still inwardly focused. Notice this recurring theme as we get through Exodus, that the, the faith of the people is, it's again, it's like, woohoo, we have faith. Look at, look at that faith. Go, go us. It's like, yes. It's not a high bar. It's a stubborn people. As God would put it, I think King, King James translates it this way, a stiff-necked people, which is a great way of explaining stubbornness because what, when you're stiff-necked, what don't you do? Yeah, you you ever, you ever pulled in muscle in your neck? It's miserable. You spend your whole day like this, trying to do things, because you, you forget when you sit down for a long time and go, oh, that was a mistake. And then, then, you get, then, you, 
you, you start stretching it so it stops, it hurts and it hurts and it hurts and it hurts and you're like, okay, good, now I can move it again. No, no, I can't. And then you hopefully sleep on the other side and then the, the, the crick in your neck moves to the other way. You can't do it. You don't move. You don't turn. So as stiff-necked people, we're going that way. Well, but that way leads off the edge of the cliff. Yeah, well, we don't turn. But that's death and destruction. We don't turn. But that's the wrong way. What part of we don't turn did you not understand? That's the description of this people. This is, again, good news. If God can redeem these people, guess what other people he can redeem? This people. Yeah, 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 all of us, right? <laughs> I keep forgetting that. I'm sorry. Now, notice how quickly we forget. What were Moses' questions? Who am I that I would do this? And the answer was what? <laughs> You're no one. Well, who are you? I am God most high. I am creator, sustainer, deliverer of heaven and earth. Oh, you're that guy. Can you prove it? Well, yeah, you got a staff and you got a sign and go pour some water and it turns to blood. So Moses has forgotten all of these questions because the selfishness and the sinfulness of pride has swelled up and we have forgotten the forest for the trees because we are focused too much on who we are and what we are doing, not enough on who God is and what he is doing good example of getting this right in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. What does Paul remind them? When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. This is one of those encouragements for evangelism and apologetics. Why do we argue with people who are wrong? Because we're right, and because we have God on our side, and if we continually testify and proclaim who he is, he will change their heart. By changing their heart, he will change their mind. I don't have to convince you. I just have to present the truth. You can think I'm an idiot all you want. You can think I'm crazy all you want. It doesn't matter. I have the Spirit of God, and I hope you will too. And the only way that you will is if I continually proclaim the gospel of Christ so that your heart will be changed and your life will be transformed. It's not based on how good I am at something. It's how good God is at something. How good is God at his job again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I've, heard, I've heard some good things, right? He's, he's got like four stars on Yelp. Ooh, you laughed at a joke. All right, it's a good day. It's a good day. No. This is what we have forgotten too often in our world. This is why we retreat from the world. This is why we do not stand firm in the world. This is what you're seeing in action in Moses. No, no, no. Remember the questions we asked. More importantly, remember the answers that were given. And remember the faith that we are called to walk in. So, verse 11. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Now, if you remember our trivia question, you know anything about your wisdom literature, you have heard this argument somewhere else. Job chapter 38. All right, remember the book of Job. Job gets everything taken away from him, and then he argues for his righteousness and how he wants a hearing with God because he has been wronged in this world. And he argues that way for about 35 chapters. Well, some people try to answer him. They do a terrible job. So for 35 chapters, there's an argument ensuing about the goodness of God and the, the struggles of the world and how they're supposed to work. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. 
Second point, whenever God commands something and somebody has a question, it's never good. Whenever God answers someone out of a whirlwind, it's probably not good for the person he's talking to. Just, you know, FYI. And he said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you and you instruct me. Literally, to put it in modern translation, put your pants and your belt on and come, let's talk. When your dad told you to go put your belt on and come talk to me, was that ever a good fight? <laughs> was that ever good when your dad's like, oh, you're a man now? My bad. That's literally what's going on right here. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who set its measurements, since you know? Who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? I think it took about six verses for Job to go. I'm sorry? I mean, I... <laughs> never a good thing. When, oh, you're, when, it's never good when God looks at you and goes, so you're so smart. All right, why don't you tell me this? My bad. I'm going to go hide someplace. See, God continues like that in the book of Job throughout chapter 38, 39, 40, and 41. <laughs> you ever had that lecture from your parents where you're just like, I just wish you'd hit me already and be done with it. This will not end. Just hurry up and punish me. I don't want to hear. I feel bad. Okay, let's go. He's making a point. What's the point that he's making? I am God. You are not. And we want to make sure that you never, ever forget this. If you'd like to have the Reader's Digest version of those four chapters of the book of Job, Romans chapter 9. Who are you, O man, to answer back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? You ever made something in a pottery class? You ever painted a painting? Does it ever jump off the canvas or off the, out of the oven and go, hey, what were you thinking? One, that would be weird. We make horror movies that start like that. And why doesn't it do that? It doesn't have the right. Who made it? You did. If you wanted to make a swan or a duck or an ashtray, who cares? Welcome to your relationship with God. Again, we're not promised prosperity in this world. We're promised a call to faithfulness. Well, I don't like the faithfulness I'm supposed to walk. I didn't say you did. I didn't say you would. And God didn't either. The call to the human being is faithfulness in God. How? Well, because he is working, catch this, this is the end of Romans 8, for our good and for his glory. Which means that this pain, this struggle, this trial, this difficulty, this illness, this death, this whatever, is somehow glorifying to God and good for me. Now, we covered this a little bit last week. If I'm an unbeliever, it's either a preview of judgment, which is a warning, or God shaking you to say, hey, this is your future if you do not come to me. Now, as a believer, those aren't my options. But is it possible that there are things that I love too much about this world that he's taking from me? Yes. Is it possible there's things in this world that I won't let go, that he is making sure I let go? I mean, let's be honest. We're stubborn and stiff-necked. We like Charlton Heston, right? From my cold, dead hands. That's how we talk about our sin. If you didn't get that reference, come on, people. Watch the news in the 90s. It was good for you. <laughs> That's how we think about our sin way too often. What's the best thing a loving, caring God could do for us in that moment? Take it from your cold, dead hands. And so he sends calamity. 
He sends catastrophe. He sends disease and illness and pain and difficulty because it prunes and purifies you for his day of visitation. That's part of this world. No, it's not pleasant and it's not fun. I mean, and, you, and if you're paying attention, you get this in pieces. Like, I still remember the day I woke up and realized I could hurt myself sleeping. That's a humbling experience. It's like, I went to bed and I felt good. I woke up and I can't walk. What is this? I mean, I remember the day I put these things on. I haven't worn these since I was a kid. I had 2010 vision into my 30s. I mean, yeah, I got old. And suddenly I take this off and it's like, okay, yeah, I can read that, but I have to start doing this number. And it takes a minute. It's like, oh, okay, there it is. The optometrist laughed at me because, you know, when they do the little one or two, one or two, one or two, when she finally got to where my script was, she's like, all right, so how is this? I, was, I, I, literally, I literally, like, came back. I was like, that's so, what I, I didn't realize how bad my vision was till I got glasses. I was like, wow. She was laughing at me hysterically because I was, I walked around for two days with my glasses gone. <laughs> Cameron was laughing at me. I'd be driving down the road reading road signs like this. But what's it a reminder of? I'm getting old. Some of you are laughing at me. You're like, wait, wait, just wait. You think it's bad now. Like, remember eating after 8 o'clock? Like, remember when that was a thing you could physically do? Yeah. You see, you're laughing because you're like, yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, now it's like 7 o'clock. You want to order pizza? You lost your mind? Do you want to be up till 2 o'clock in the morning, dehydrated and with indigestion? No. Why? Because nothing works the same way. It starts to change over time. Why? Because what do we slowly get? We get pruned. Why do I slow down? Why does my vision go? Why do I get weaker? Why does my skin take longer to heal? Why? Do, all of these random things are reminders that you are not for this place. And every once in a while, the big one comes along, and I have a major illness, or I have a major injury. Or something sideswipes me on, a, on Mulford Road on a random Tuesday. I have no idea. But it is designed to do what? Remind you who made man's mouth. Who makes him mute? Who makes him deaf? Who makes him seeing? Who makes him blind? God is the one. And that's his question. Is it not I, the Lord? Now, let's, is that a question? I mean, is that really a question? I mean, who makes man deaf? Who makes him mute? Is it not I, the Lord? That's not a question, that's a statement, which is confirmed, by the way, in all the rest of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Now, let's remember, what's Jeremiah's nickname? Anybody know? Yeah, the weeping prophet. Who signs up to be the weeping prophet? Like, I want to be the conquering prophet. I want to be the smart prophet. I want to be the wise prophet. You can be the crying one. I, mean, I had a friend of mine ask me this in ministry. He's like, everything is just an uphill climb. And we had this conversation, and like in the middle of it, he stops, he goes, dude, I don't want to be Jeremiah. I said, Jeremiah didn't want to be Jeremiah. What's your point? He literally complains the entire book. I don't want to do this, but I don't have a choice. It's a, it's a lesson in faithfulness. It is a lesson in faithfulness. What is going on here? 
It's a lesson on redemption and a reminder of the world in which we live. Psalm 94, pay heed, you senseless among the people. When will you understand, stupid ones? I didn't change that. That's how the NASB translates it, okay? All right. He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man. They are a mere breath. This is part of the reminder. When you live in the world and you forget who has made you, who has placed you here, who is ushering in his kingdom, and who is guiding the hand of history, you're an idiot. That's not me. That's Psalm 94. Take it up with Psalm 94. Okay? That's the point. What do we do on a regular basis? We live forgetting what? Oh, why would you do this to me, God? Stop asking that. Ask, what are you doing this for? Or since we have to have proper grammar, for what are you doing this? Because we don't want to end up pre- sentence with a preposition. Eh. Sometimes. Most of the time. For what has this been done? What am I supposed to be accomplishing? What am I supposed to be learning? Who am I supposed to be testifying to? How is this good for my sanctification? How is this good for evangelism? See, now I'm actively walking my sanctification. I'm not just being kicked along by the Holy Spirit like a mute dodgeball. Come on, keep going. We're going to get there. We want to walk. We want to actively be involved. This is how we do it. Now, if you'd like to connect some dots, by the way, good proof for Jesus being who he claimed to be. Do you ever wonder why Jesus' proofs for his deity and his messiahship were what they were? In light of what we've just read, think about this one from Matthew 11. When John was in prison, I'm sorry, while John was in prison, he heard of the works of Christ and he sent word by his disciples. He said to Jesus, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? Should show you how doubt and sin can quickly creep in. Who was the one who declared to the crowds that Jesus was the Messiah? John the Baptist. Who was the one who, who wouldn't baptize him? Because, dude, you're him. Why would I baptize you? That was John the Baptist. Who was the one who made the connection to the Old Testament in the Exodus and said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? It was John. Now that he's in prison and things aren't looking so good, are you sure? Are you positive? Are you sure that you're positive? And are you positive that you're sure that you're positive that you're sure? These are the questions we have to answer. Jesus answered and said to them, Go. Report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Hmm. The, the, the blind see, the, uh, the lame walk, the dead are raised. Sound like any connections to who God is? What is Jesus demonstrating his power over? Everything. Whose power is he wielding? His power, which is whose? God's. This is your connection throughout the scriptures. So when Psalm 94 warns you, hey, pay attention how you walk. Don't forget who's here. Jesus connects to that. So when you see what Jesus has done and you go, you know, I'm not real sure. Psalm 94 should ring in the back of your head and go, no, that would be dumb. What's the rule? Don't do dumb things. This is how we walk wisely. Our starting point is with God, what he has taught, how he has called us, and how we live in light of that. So, verse 12. Now then, okay, go, and I, even I, catch that part, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. We should be done here, right? God said, 
Who do you think you are? I can make you talk. I can make you dance. I can make you stand in your head. I can make you do whatever I need you to do. Go. I. Me. Yes, me. I am who is. The one who is and is to come will be with you and teach you what you are to say. I don't care how slowly you speak, how heavy your tongue is, or how little words you want to use. I will put them there. You will speak them, and we are good here. This is promise. This is, again, who God is. Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What does God say? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout, furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. So in other words, when God speaks, what happens? Whatever he said. Go back to your creation. And God formed the earth like putty in the void, right? No. And God said. So when God speaks, things happen. What happens? The things that he wishes to happen when he speaks. So if you are Moses, the right response should be what? Follow along with Paul here. Go to Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. God has come down. God has commissioned. He has answered your questions. He has answered your objections. He has overcome all of them. He has given you the command again. He has promised that he will be there. He has promised he will be here when you come back. He has promised that he will be there when you go. Therefore, verse 13 should say what? Moses prepared to depart to Egypt, right? Like he started packing his bags, got his, got his sack together, right? Verse 13, but he said, that's Moses, by the way, but Moses said, again, when God commands you to do something in the next verses, but they said to God or anything along those lines, just go like cry in the corner for a minute. It, it's better, it's easier, and it prepares you for what's to come. Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. He kind of already has, hasn't he? Like, who has he willed? Moses. How do we know this? Because he's answered the objections, he's given you the power, he's commissioned you, he's given you all of these promises, and he's still standing here arguing with you. And you're like, basically what this is, this is not Jesus in Gethsemane saying, not my will but yours be done. This is, if you got anybody else. See, I'm the wrong person to ask this. You want to get somebody in trouble in a good Baptist church in the South? We have this lovely false humility in Baptist churches in the South where you ask somebody to do something and they always tell you, well, I'll do it if you can't find anybody else. And what that really means, and I had to learn this the really hard way, what that really means is, yes, I'm thrilled that you've asked me and I will absolutely do it. But when you say to me, Mr. Literal, that, yes, I'll do it if you can't find anybody else, what am I going to go do? I'm going to go try to find somebody else. And if I find somebody else who doesn't give me that answer, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have them do it. And then you're in a personnel committee meeting and you got to talk to the deacons because you've offended someone. And yes, that has happened. And it, no, it wasn't. 
That's literally what Moses is saying. And he doesn't mean it in the southern way. He means it in the way that I understood it, which is, if you can find somebody else, and they're willing, awesome. Now, remember Job's response to four chapters of God talking. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract, and I repent in dust and ashes. That's a good response. That's how we're supposed to respond to God. Repentance and faith, trusting in him, walking according to his precepts. Now, that is not what we're getting here. So I have a very, very, very important question to ask you. Does this surprise God? Now, let's have some fun. That's why I asked that question, because I want to make sure we're thinking along the same lines. Because I know you know the answer. It's not dumb. It's prepping your brain. It's, it's leading you in the right direction. See, we're, we're laying out the breadcrumbs, letting you follow along. It's good for you. I'm trying to make it easy for you. <laughs> Every once in a while, people like to get the question right. And I ask a lot of questions people don't get right. So we get to throw you a nice one out there. That way you keep answering. This is how we keep everybody involved. <laughs> Plus, it gives me a chance to drink water while you give me the answer. Look at me. Oz is thinking. <laughs> now, I lost my spot completely. <laughs> ah, thank you. If God is not surprised, now, if you knew this is how the conversation would go, would you have had it? See, the answer is no, because like, if, if I know this person is a complete waste of my time and going to drive me insane, give me anxiety, and raise my anger to 11, I'm not going to go talk to them. But God does. Now, does God do useless things? The answer to that is obviously no. Remember the lesson of the signs. Who did God give the signs to Moses for? Do you remember we had three different directions for that? The sign was for the elders of Israel. I'm going to go. I'm going to throw the staff on the ground. It's going to be a snake. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to put my hand in, do the Napoleon thing, and it's going to be leprous, and then I'm going to fix it again. I'm going to pour the water out, and it's going to be blood. That was for the elders, that they would see these signs, know that the power of God was at work. Who was the second person those signs were for? They're for Moses himself, that, hey, if, how do I know that you're actually going to do all this? Whoa! Like, and again, I've made this mention several times. You know that while they were traveling back to Egypt, Moses and Aaron, two brothers that don't see each other that often, you know Moses threw that staff in the ground at his feet like 17 times, right? Like, if you grew up with siblings or have been around them, you know Moses is like, I gotta, 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 gotta. Stop it! Okay, I won't do it again. And if Moses wouldn't have, I know who would have. And I'm sorry, but it would have been funny and I'd have laughed every single time I did it. That sign was for Moses. Because you know he tested that going along. You know he was just like, okay, still works. <laughs> and this is the other reason why I'm not God. Because I would have at least one time when he did that and he put his hand back in to, to fix it, I wouldn't have. <gasps> Difference between God's patience and my patience, but... Who was the third group of people that that sign was for, though? No, it wasn't for, there were no Egyptians there. Where did they, how do we know about it? They wrote it in a book. Why do you write things in a book? 
so people will read it. That was for us. Why go through this rigmarole and have this argument with Moses? It's not for Moses. It's for us. How do we see the patience of God? By God demonstrating his patience. I mean, my goodness, how many of you want to reach into your Bible right now and strangle Moses? He's been arguing with God for three weeks, according to our schedule. (laughs) I'm leaving that alone. Exodus 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. How do you know that's true? What are you watching? How do you know he'll bring about justice? Well, we'll get to Egypt eventually. How do you know he can redeem his people? He's going to demonstrate it. We get this back and forth, this little argument between God and Moses, because we get to see his mercy and his patience and his kindness and his, I think that covers it, all on display, not just for Moses, but for us. Verse 14, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. Yes, finally. I've been waiting for that, right? Now, a couple of things, though. Notice the mercy. When your anger burns against someone, what happens? Like, how often do you just sit there and stare at someone you're arguing with and stew? And how often do you say it even though you know you shouldn't have? Or how often do you yell at the person in traffic or make various American Sign Language unapproved gestures at them? And the minute you do it, you know you shouldn't have, you know it was wrong, but in the moment, how'd you feel? For that split second, you were like, oh, and then you stop and you think and you go, I got to apologize for that one. And again, how often have you said it in an argument and gone, okay, I didn't mean that. Yes, I know yet. God's angry. Is Moses smited? I mean, is he flat like a bug in the desert? The answer is no. Mercy. Patience. On display, God is angry. Moses is not judged. Christian, this is good news for you and your calamity. You don't have to ask, if I am in Christ, is this God's judgment? The answer to that is, no. If I am in Christ, my judgment has already been paid for by Christ. So I am not being judged. This is not him no longer loving me. This is him exercising love over me. We've used this example before. If I'll, I'll even change it. If your kid was falling off a bridge, would you snatch them by the arm? but they're going to dislocate their little shoulder as they hang there. You'd still do what? You'd still grab them, because better to dislocate your shoulder and save your life than watch you fall. It's good for you that I did this thing. Again, if God has sent this, it is for your good and his glory. It is good that he has sent it to you. So he said, is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Notice the wisdom, power, and knowledge on display here by God. He knows who Aaron is, where Aaron is, what Aaron is doing, why he is doing it, and how he's going to react when he is finished. I can't do that. I mean... We're over here on Mount Sinai talking, and Aaron's still out, you know, a couple days off yet. God knows where he is, where he's heading, why he's heading there, and how it's going to be when he gets there. That's a big deal. What's he reminding us of? Psalm 147. 
He counts the number of the stars. He gives names to them all. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. How does Moses know that? Because you know for a split second when Moses, when he said, here is Aaron, what did Moses do? Because <laughs> when someone says, here's Aaron, where, well, where is Aaron? Oh, he's still on his way. You know these things. Oh, wait, that's right. We're being taught something here. Verse 15. You are to speak to him, put words, put the words in his mouth, and I, even I, second time we've had that, will be with your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to say. Is God giving up on this work? No. Would you have? At this point, I'd be like, I'm done arguing with you. You know what? Fine. Let's go find somebody else. Fine. Here's Aaron. We will get this done. This is, again, a comfort. God will not forsake his people because of their stubbornness. That was true then. It's true now. Psalm 118. From my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is near for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Catch that. I will look in satisfaction upon those who hate me. You ever wonder what empowered the saints of old? When you go back to the Roman Empire and the early Middle Ages and even the high Middle Ages with the Inquisition and all that stuff. What strengthened those people to endure? To be like, ooh, we're getting boiled in oil today. Go team. And before you think I'm kidding, remember, we've covered this. This was actually a problem in the first couple of centuries. Is even when the Rome, because the Roman persecutions were not constant. They would ebb and flow depending on who was emperor and who was your governor. So while the emperor may be persecuting people in Rome, it was okay if you were in Asia Minor. Or it was okay if you were in North Africa. Or the emperor didn't care and it was bad for you in Spain or it was bad for you in North Africa. Or dependent on where you were. There were stretches where during the good times, when people weren't being persecuted, it was viewed as a mark of faith to be persecuted. So even though it was illegal to still be a Christian, they weren't enacting the law. Christians would go to the governor and be like, I'm a Christian, throw me in jail. And there are actually reports from some of the governors where they're having to yell at these people, no, go home, I don't want to arrest you. <laughs> Leave me alone, stop it. No, I'm not killing you. No, no, the lions aren't hungry, go home. <laughs> we're not frying anything, Leave. Why? They had given up this world. They had refined and given up this world, at least in part. Or they were really sinful. I, you, I'll let you decide which one's which. What empowers that? Connection to the Holy Spirit, trusting in God. I can look in satisfaction on those who hate me. Part of this calling is walking faithfully. Why? Because God's got this. And regardless of how messed up and broken I am, and how messed up and broken I make things, He's got this. This is why I can joke with you guys during a sermon. I, I have friends of mine who would just be like horrified by how I talk. Because that's like, you don't do that in a pulpit. I'm like, well, one, it's not really a pulpit. It's like a stand. And does that like, is it okay if I do it over here? Like, does that make it better? The reason I'm not worried about it is God's got it. If I can faithfully proclaim his truth, if I can faithfully teach his word, and I can get you to just relax and laugh a little bit and somewhat enjoy this. You'll pay attention longer, and his spirit will work. There we go. That's, that's how we work. That's how we do things. That, that's, the whole, that's the whole madness to my method, and that's what we're accomplishing. Now, back to our point, though. God's not quitting. 
God's not giving up. We've answered all the objections. We're going to keep answering them. Well, you know, I don't really do the talking, and I'm not really good at it. Fine. Aaron's good at it. Aaron does the talking. You talk to Aaron, and we'll keep moving. Verse 16, moreover, he shall speak for you to the people. He will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. Roles are assigned. So how will this message go? Who will it go through? It'll go through Moses, to Aaron, to the people, or to Pharaoh, or however that gets delivered. That's just going to be how this is going to work. Did Moses get a promotion? Did I, did I miss that? He shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. Did Moses just get promoted to, like, mini-God? No, no, he didn't. He's just going to deliver the word. Who does a prophet speak for? God. Who is Aaron going to speak for? Moses. And Moses ultimately speaks for God. So all we're doing is we're adding a middleman. See, God is okay with middle management. Here it is right here in Scripture. <laughs> See, there he goes. like, yes, there's hope for all of us. Moses will, God will deliver to Moses. Moses delivers to Aaron. Aaron delivers to the people. Not like a busted game of telephone like you played when you were a kid. We're actually going to keep this one together because who's going to be, who's going to be with Moses' mouth? God. Who's going to be with Aaron's mouth? God. So who's going to make sure this message goes all the way through? God. You shall take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. All right. Don't forget. What's the staff here? It's one of our signs and it's also our symbol of power and authority, right? We're going to, we're going to be waving this staff around, so I will be using this as we get through this, so get used to it. Moses will be waving his staff around in front of everybody. Is that special? Like, is the stick in his hand special? No. No. God is special. If we drop this one in the fire, can God get another one? Like, all right, pick that stick. Okay. I didn't like this one as good, but okay. It still works. Go team. The power isn't in the stick. The power is not in Moses. The power is in... God. So let's recap. Moses asked, who am I? The answer is, you're nobody. You're nothing. Moses then asked, who are you? <laughs> I am everything, was God's basic answer. Third question, can you prove it? And the answer was, yes. Staff, hand, water, mountain, convictions, all of these promises. Question today, let's summarize this. Is anything going to stop this? No. Have we tried? Yes. <laughs> yes, we have. Is anything going to stop it? No. God has declared this will come to pass. So, question of the morning. You ready? Now what? I got good news for you. What should be the next verse? And Moses prepared to depart to Egypt. And we're, and we're actually going to get there next week. We're still not done shooting ourselves in the foot, but we are going to get there next week. I mean for us. Why is this in my Bible? 1 Peter chapter 2. Putting aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Moses is out of options here. He is out of objections. He is now going along. He is going to walk faithfully. Christian, not a thing has changed. All your objections have been answered. All of your problems have been overcome. All of your concerns will be carried away by Christ. So what are you called to do? Walk faithfully. Why? 
because you know what he has done, you've seen who he is, and you know what he has promised. Therefore, we walk faithfully. We've studied the word. We know his call, and we walk in light of that. But I'm not good at this. I I get it. What was Moses' first question? Who am I? You're no one. That's kind of the point. Because you're no one because he is everything. And he does not change. He is the one who is. Therefore, we can persevere. That's why we read Psalm 3 this morning. What's the reminder? In the midst of a world that hates me, I can do what? I can stand firm. That I can laugh and be satisfied in the face of those who hate me. Why? Because I have God. And if I have God, then I am secure. I can walk through that valley of the shadow of death because there's nothing for me to fear. My greatest fear, my fear of God is gone in Christ. He's really big because if I'm nothing and we're all made in his image the same way, then what is everybody else? Put two and two together. If I'm nothing and we're all the same, then what's everybody else? Nothing. They can't take it from me. They can't harm me. They can make my life a little unpleasant, but my life isn't supposed to be pleasant. This is what the saints of old understood. This is why they could go and argue with the Romans. This is why they could laugh at the lions and sing songs while, you know, they were lit on fire. Is because they were longing not for us here. They were longing for the us that is in heaven with God. The faithful kingdom that is yet to come back down. That's what they're looking for. That's what they're longing towards. And it's coming. How do I know that? This patient God is who is. He does not change. He does not forsake. He does not fall. He does not fail. He just perseveres. Which means, what can I do? And persevere. Regardless of what the government says, regardless of what some virus might take from me, regardless of what happens to my economy, regardless of what country I live in, regardless of how my world may fall apart, I have God. I am a citizen of his kingdom. I'm just renting here. But I got a house in his kingdom that is preserved forever because he has promised it and he is good. That's where I look. And when my looking is there, when my vision is set there, this world falls into alignment. Now I can walk rightly because I walk no longer afraid of this place, but in rejoicing in God. I don't care what you're doing. I'll proclaim to you the truth. I will pray for you. I will hope that you walk along with me, but you can't stop me. And I almost sang a bad 80s song. You are welcome. You can ask me after the service, but I can walk faithfully because you can't stop me. You can't take this away from me, and I will persevere because God has already persevered. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the work that you have done, for the testimony that you have given us and left us. We thank you for the testimony that we too can leave. Lord, strengthen us. Set our vision rightly that we are focused upon you your kingdom, and your work, that we may see the eternal benefits of what you do for us here. That as we fall, that as we are humbled, that we lift our sight and see you, your greatness, your goodness, and your mercy, that our trust would be strengthened, that our walk would be secure, that your kingdom would come, and that your name be glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My death to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross my death to pay from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky lord i love to name on high lord i love to name on high lord i love to name on Quick reminders, remember all of those we mentioned, prayer requests this week, please, please, please. Uh, council, uh, stick around. We'll meet real quick. Got a couple of things and be good to go. And don't forget Missions Project if you're able. Let's pray. Again, Lord, as we leave this place, let us be grounded to your word, knowing who you are because you have told us. You have taught us. And let us learn from you richly and deeply that we would be guided in this world with your wisdom and not our own. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>